Does God use dreams and visions today? When someone says that God spoke to him in a dream, should we believe him? Let's talk about it. Welcome to Let's Talk. I'm Paul Robinson, and this is a special podcast that's all about tackling difficult issues and certain things that Christians might be confused about or, you know, just just topics that uh, um, people aren't 100% on. And I'm really excited about this this episode because we're going to be talking about dreams and visions. Perhaps you've heard someone say something like this, God spoke to me in a dream. Or how about this? I had a vision of Jesus, and he told me such and such. Should we trust these accounts? Well, we know that dreams and visions are quite common in the Bible, so let's delve into dreams and visions. Let's learn why God used them in the Bible, and let's also see what the Bible has to say about dreams and visions for today. But first, let me just say that when we say dreams and visions— We mean that people have specific dreams or specific visions in which God speaks directly to them in order to give them either a warning or instructions for something. All right, so that's what we're talking about. And um, often these are prophetic in nature. All right, they have to do with prophecy. And that's what we're going to find out today. And so what I'd like to do first is talk about dreams and visions in the Old Testament. Okay, the Old Testament. Now here are some dreams in the Old Testament and also their purpose. All right, these are just a few that I've selected here. So first we have Jacob's Ladder. Remember Jacob's Ladder? He, he, he lays down, he uses rocks as pillows, and he, and he sees, uh, and he has a dream, and he sees this ladder, and angels are ascending and descending on the ladder. Okay, they're ascending up to heaven, they're descending down to earth, and this is, this dream has a personal nature. You see, God made a promise to, to Jacob in this uh, in this dream, it was a promise to Jacob specifically. All right, so it was personal. Then we have Joseph's dreams. If you remember his dreams, uh, he, he, you know, he had the dreams of the sheaves that were bowing down to him, and then the sun, the moon, and the stars bowing down. To okay, so these dreams were prophetic. Um, talks they, they they spoke of that uh, you know he would one day rule over his family and the nation, and you know really he would rule the whole world in a sense. That's what his dreams were about. Then we have the butler and the baker's dreams. You know, Joseph interprets their dreams for them, and they were personal. Spoke of future roles for the two men. One would be promoted, and the other would be executed. All right, and those dreams came to pass. Then we have Pharaoh's dream. Okay, obviously Joseph had to interpret that one too. And Pharaoh's dream was prophetic. Remember, he got the seven fat cows, and then the seven lean cows, and the lean cows eat up the fat cows. That dream was prophetic. It was a warning of seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. Okay? Also, there was, if you remember, the Midianites dream in the book of Judges. And this was an interesting dream because um, he said, I had a dream and there was a barley roll that rolled down and wiped out the Midianites, you know? And uh, this was also a prophetic dream. It said that Gideon would defeat the Midianites. And really that dream, it was prophetic. It was also kind of personal because it was to encourage Gideon that, yes, you're going to defeat the Midianites. You know, Gideon, for some reason, he, he needed a lot of encouragement. You know, he, he did the fleece with God twice. 
Uh, it's like he, he really wanted to make sure that God was going to give him the victory, and so that's kind of what this dream was about. It was personal, but also prophetic. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar's dream in Daniel chapter 2 was prophetic, remember? Uh, the uh, the statue, and he had the head of gold and the arms and, uh, and chest of brass and the, uh, or, or I'm sorry, silver. Boy, I'm getting it all mixed up. So you have that dream, and that was prophetic, of course, because it talked about the future world rulers. Future world rulers. And then we have Nebuchadnezzar's dream in Daniel chapter 4, which was personal, you know, the one where he, he um, he's going to be turned into a wild beast and eat grass as an ox and have the feathers of eagles and that was personal. It was a warning that he needed to humble himself and recognize God as the true king of the world. Okay, so the bottom line, each of these dreams was either prophetic or personal in nature. They were for the purpose of warning of impending judgment or to give specific instructions to a specific person. Usually, they also required a person to interpret the dream. Okay? Now, let's talk about visions. Here are some visions in the Old Testament and their purpose. All right, first we have, um, and this is just a few because there's a lot of visions in the Old Testament. Okay, Isaiah's vision of God and his throne. This is Isaiah chapter 6. This was personal. It was for Isaiah's converting and commissioning. Isaiah was the only one that saw it. You know what? Isaiah got saved that day. He saw the glory of God. Incredible vision. Okay, then we have... Ezekiel's vision of the wheels. Uh, remember the wheel within the wheel? This was prophetic, and it spoke of God's glory. Uh, you know, Ezekiel's really the book of glory, and I'll tell you, I think there's more visions in the book of Ezekiel than anything else. And and the book of Ezekiel is a, a, a true challenge. There is a lot of weird things in the book of Ezekiel. I'm just being honest. It's tough. It's a tough book. There's a lot of visions, though. Here's one more from Ezekiel. Ezekiel's vision of dry bones. Remember that? Chapter 37. Well, that's prophetic. It spoke of the future restoration of Israel. Okay, how about Daniel's vision of the ram and horns? That's prophetic. Spoke of future rulers. How about Amos's vision of the plumb line? Remember that? God says, yep, here's a plumb line. Well, that was prophetic too. It was a warning that Israel doesn't measure up. And here's the last one I've got here. Zechariah's vision of the flying roll. That was also prophetic and it spoke of future judgment Future judgment was, was going to fly, fly, and um, God was going to have his judgment fly in quickly. Anyways, the bottom line is these visions are mostly prophetic in nature. And it's interesting, visions were different from dreams in that only prophets had visions. Did you notice that? All right? These were these were visions, and, and I suppose, you know, Nebuchadnezzar... Um, I'm sorry. Nebuchadnezzar was a dream. I'm sorry. See, I'm getting confused already. Visions. <laughs> Visions. Um, the, the, the men that I mentioned, Ezekiel, Daniel, Amos, Zechariah, uh, what do they all have in common? They're all prophets. In the Old Testament, only prophets had visions. I challenge you to find someone in the Old Testament who had a vision who was not a prophet of God. Okay, Because, again, all of these visions were prophetic visions. Therefore, they were prophets who had these visions. Makes sense. Now, that's the Old Testament. All right, let's move over to the New Testament. And first, let's talk about dreams. Uh, uh, here's some dreams in the New Testament and their purpose. All right. So first, we have Joseph's dream of the angel. Now, this is Joseph in the New Testament, you know, who, who married uh, Mary. <clears throat> so he was the stepfather of Jesus. All right. 
So you have Joseph's dream of the angel, and that was personal. It was a warning to flee to Egypt for safety. Remember, Herod wanted to kill all the all, all the babies, and so the angel said, uh, "Hey, you you, you got to get out of here, and flee to Egypt for safety, for the safety of the child." So that was personal. And then you have um, the wife of Pilate. So Pilate's wife's uh, m m Mrs. Pilate's dream. All right, and that was also personal. And this is very interesting. We don't know much about this. It's recorded Matthew twenty-seven nineteen. She had some kind of dream or maybe a nightmare about Jesus. Basically, she said, uh, "You you should have nothing to do with this man because I've had dreams about him." And so she had some kind of dream about Jesus, and it was it scared her. Well, guess what? That's it, folks. That's it. But I'm serious. Those are the only dreams in the New Testament. And I, I suppose I could have overlooked something, but I, I, I researched this, and these are the only dreams I could find in the entire New Testament. So the bottom line, both of these dreams were personal. They were personal. They were not prophetic. All right? And here's some visions in the New Testament and their purpose. There's uh, a few more visions, I'd say. Uh, first, we have Ananias' vision in Acts chapter 9. This was personal. God spoke to him in a vision and told him to help the newly saved Saul. Remember that? Yeah, that was actually a vision in which God spoke to him. Uh, Cornelius's vision was also personal, Acts chapter 10. An angel gave instructions to find Peter for help. Okay? And then that's followed, right on that is followed, uh, Peter's vision in Acts chapter 10. And this is also personal. Remember, there was a sheet that came down with all kind of four-footed beasts and things in there. And uh, God was teaching Peter that the Old Testament law was done away with. Um, you know, God said to Peter, arise, Peter, and eat. And Peter said, I can't eat those, Lord, because it's unclean. And God said, what I have, uh, uh, call not thou unclean, what I have cleansed. And so clearly God was teaching Peter something. Hey, the Old Testament law is done, done away with. You, you can eat whatever you want now. Uh, praise the Lord for that. Amen. Eating steak and eating ham. Amen. Anyways, that was a vision. That was personal. Then we have Paul's vision, which was also personal. If you remember, he was caught up to the third heaven, but was not able to describe it. Now, was this really a vision or was this an out-of-body experience? It appears to be an out-of-body experience. I'm including it here in visions, though, um, because guess what? He had a vision of heaven. He saw heaven. And this is the third heaven. This is where God this is where God resides. It is that heaven. And you know what he was not allowed to describe what he saw. Wow, that's pretty amazing. So that was also personal. And then John's visions in the book of Revelation, of course, these were prophetic. Now, the bottom line, apart from John's visions, all of these visions were personal. They were also very specific. Very specific, you know, um for Ananias. Ananias helps all Okay, Saul's coming, and you're going to help him. You're going to lay your hands on him. Uh, for Cornelius, very personal. Find Peter. Find uh, this man named Peter. This is where he lives. For Peter, very personal. Peter, uh, these things are not unclean anymore. You can eat these things now. You can eat these animals. For Paul, very very personal. His, he saw heaven. Wow. He saw heaven, but he couldn't describe it. He was not allowed to describe it. These were all very personal and it's just very interesting, I think. So now we come to this question. Are dreams and visions valid today? In order to find the answer to this question, we need to see if there are any scriptures that talk about dreams and visions in the church age. Well, guess what? There aren't any. However, there is one passage that deals with something very similar, and that's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 
1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 8 through 10. And it says this, Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. So here the Apostle Paul mentions prophecies. Remember, uh, remember, many dreams and visions in both the Old Testament and New Testament were prophetic. Paul now says that prophecies will fail. Well, why is that? He explains that they prophesied in part. In other words, prophecies were only one piece of the puzzle. Now verse 10 is the key. Again, verse 10 says, But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. Okay, well, most theologians agree that when Paul says that which is perfect, he's referring to the complete canon of Scripture. So when the canon of Scripture is done, there will be no more prophecies. The last scripture to be written was the book of Revelation, and that was A.D. 90. Revelation contains a lot of prophecy about the end of the world. This is God's last word on prophecy. So what about people today who claim to be God's prophets? And, and you see them, don't you? You see them sometimes, you hear them sometimes. They call themselves prophets of God. They say that God gives them prophecies about America or whatever, they can say whatever they want, but what I'm saying is that according to the Bible, the role of prophet has ceased, and God has stopped giving prophecies. Remember that God is a God of order. Now, I want you to think about this. Think about this. The Old Testament is focused on the nation of Israel. Dreams, visions, and prophecies are either about Israel, the Messiah, or their personal. Okay, personal. The New Testament is focused on the church and the gospel. But there are no dreams, visions, or prophecies that have anything to do with the church. They're all for a specific person or they're for Israel, such as the book of Revelation. Do you realize the prophecies in Revelation are actually for Israel? Now, the only exception is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and the teaching that the church will be raptured. That is technically prophecy and it does have to do with the church. But that's it. That is it. So it seems... That God does, uh, God does not give dreams or visions concerning the church. And yet there are people today who claim that God is giving them just that. God has given me a prophecy about the church. Hear what I have to say. God has given me a vision for the church in America. Question, has God changed? No, God has not changed. God, God does not change. So I would not trust what these prophets, so-called prophets, have to say. I would not trust what they say. Okay, when you okay, God's given me a prophecy about the church. I, I'm just not gonna listen. I'm not gonna believe what they have to say. Okay, I, I, I all right. Um, and sure, they they might have got some kind of weird prophecy going. Okay, sure, maybe they somebody spoke to them. They had some kind of dream or vision. I'm just questioning the source. All right, I, I'm not sure if they got it from God. All right. Now here's another problem. The Bible clearly says that there will be false prophets in the last days. That's 2 Peter 2, 1 and 1 John 4, 1. These prophets can say whatever they want. God told me. Whatever. How do we really know that God spoke to them? How do we know? How do we know? The Apostle John says we must try the spirits, 1 John 4, 1. 
does what the does what they say line up with scripture? And that's what you need to say. Okay, they're they're saying this. But what does the Bible say? Well, the Bible says this. They're wrong. Okay? So if they contradict scripture, they are wrong. Okay? And 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 this see, this is what happens. Because I want you to think of Mormons and Joseph Smith. Because Joseph Smith said, "The angel Moroni appeared to me and he said, all the churches are apostate." And so I want you to start a new church. Now, that right there is contrary to Scripture. What did Jesus say in Matthew 16, 18? He says, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So Jesus is saying the church is starting, the church is starting now, and the church will continue. And really the church is going to continue until the rapture. There's always going to be a true church, a remnant of believers on the earth until the rapture. But apparently Jesus Jesus was wrong, according to Mormonism, because in Mormonism, oh, all the churches are apostate. Somewhere along the way, they, it, it went apostate, lost their way, and so, so the angel spoke to Joseph Smith, and it gave him, it gave him like new revelation. And that's another thing, God, God stopped giving new revelation after the book of Revelation was finished, okay? And and so these these prophets, they can say whatever they want, but if if what they say does not match with Scripture, then they are wrong, and they are false prophets. They're false prophets. And John warned us that there would be false prophets in the last days, and there are. So just be careful. Just be careful. You know, even if they say something that does match Scripture, I, I would still rather hold to my Bible over that than, than what they have to say, okay? Um, just be very careful. Now, one last thing. One last thing. If dreams and visions were a common thing in the church age, then why are there no instructions in the New Testament concerning dreams and visions? The Apostle Paul gave instructions for all kinds of things, you know, pastors, teachers, church discipline, spiritual gifts, the Lord's Supper, but he said nothing about dreams and visions. Now just think about that. If dreams and visions were something for today, why don't we have anything in the New Testament to validate that? You know, the Apostle Paul, uh, all right, now when you have dreams and visions, all right, let me just give you some instructions. No, there's nothing about that in the New Testament anywhere. There's not. Okay, and so um, I think that's a good argument. Now, the biggest problem with dreams and visions is this. They cannot be verified, all right? Dreams in the Old Testament were often verified by an interpreter. I want you to think Joseph and Daniel. They would interpret the dreams. But if someone has a dream or vision today, who is going to verify that it's true? Now, understand that many of the people who claim to have dreams and visions will say, that these were personal, so it was only for them. And so they are not doing any harm to anyone, okay? But even so, they should be wary of these dreams and visions. Are they really from God? You know, I'm reminded of a story. I, I had a professor in college, and he told us about, he, he went on a, a flight once, and uh, he sat next to a woman, and they got talking, you know, and found out that she was a Christian. And she said to him, you know what? I, I had a I had a vision of Jesus once. I I saw Jesus in the vision, and he said to her, "Really, what did he look like?" And she said, "Well, he had long brown hair. He had blue eyes. 
And he said, hmm, I don't think that was Jesus. And she said, what? How can you say that? And he said to her, well, the book of Revelation describes Jesus as having eyes that are a flame of fire and hair that is white like wool. <laughs> That's what Jesus looks like. In other words, her vision did not align with Scripture. Did you know that that's what Jesus looks like right now? He has eyes as a flame of fire, hair white as wool. That is what Jesus looks like right now in heaven. And so when someone, and once again, all he did was compare what she said to what Scripture says. And what she said did not align with Scripture. So I'm not saying she didn't have a vision. I'm just saying... (laughs) Uh, the source of her vision might not have been from God, okay? Do you ever think that uh, sometimes people can have visions and they're maybe from the devil? I don't know. I don't know. Or maybe she just had too much pizza, that you know, and she had a dream. And I don't know. Hey, hey, uh, I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Make sure that your vision aligns with Scripture. Now, when it comes to dreams and visions today, the question to ask is not, can God do them today? Well, of course he can Of course he can. The right question to ask is this. Would God do them today? Would he? Would he? Now here's my answer. Because we have the complete canon of scripture today, God does not need to use dreams and visions. He speaks to us through his word. However, what about people who do not have the word of God? Would God speak to them using dreams and visions? For this, I want to refer to a book I've read. It's a very good book. It's called The Case for Miracles, and it's written by Lee Strobel. And you probably know Lee Strobel as the guy that wrote The Case for Christ. He was was a skeptic. He was a hardcore skeptic. He was an atheist. But his wife got saved, and he started doing his own investigation. You know, he was an investigative journalist in Chicago, and so he started doing his own investigation. And he found out, guess what? It's all true. It's all true. Everything supports the scriptures, uh, he discovered that Jesus was a real person, he really died, he really resurrected, and Lee Strobel got saved. And he's written several books, he's written a whole bunch of, he's written a whole series of, you know, the case of books, and it's, it's, it's very good books. So this one is the case for miracles, and I would like to read just a little bit of this, it's very interesting. Now this this uh, particular chapter here, it's uh, the, the heading is Awakening the Muslim World, all right? Now, I'm reading from this book, and I quote this. In fact, more Muslims have become Christians in the last couple of decades than in the previous 1,400 years since Muhammad, and it's estimated that a quarter to a third of them experienced a dream or vision of Jesus before their salvation experience. If those statistics are accurate, then this phenomenon of Jesus supernaturally appearing to people is one of the most significant spiritual awakenings in the world today. Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias first brought this worldwide trend to my attention nearly 20 years ago when I interviewed him for my book, The Case for Faith. I have spoken in many Islamic countries where it's tough to talk about Jesus, he told me at that time. Virtually every Muslim who has come to follow Christ has done so, first, because of the love of Christ expressed through a Christian, or second, because of a vision, dream, or some other supernatural intervention. Now, No religion has a more intricate doctrine of angels and visions than Islam, and I think it's extraordinary that God uses that sensitivity to the supernatural world in which he speaks in visions and dreams and reveals himself. 
Today, reports of these miraculous manifestations seem to cluster among adherents of Islam, from Indonesia to Pakistan to the Gaza Strip. While the experiences are admittedly unique to the individual, in many cases there is authentication, such as Jesus telling the person something in the dream that he or she could not otherwise have known, or two people having an identical dream on the same night. In addition, the stunning consistency of these experiences across international boundaries suggests that they are more than merely the product of, of overactive imaginations. A devout Muslim would have no incentive to imagine such an encounter with the Jesus of Christianity, who might lure them into Islamic apostasy and possibly even a death sentence in certain countries. Okay, so I'm going to stop my reading there. What do you think about that? that that's pretty amazing, isn't it? That's pretty amazing. So there's Muslims in the Middle East who are having visions and dreams of Jesus speaking to them, and these Muslims are getting saved. Now think about this. Would the devil give dreams to Muslims about Jesus? Absolutely not. The devil would not. Uh, and I think that the devil does have, the devil has the power to put thoughts in our minds. I think the devil probably has powers to um, you know, put some kind of dreams in our minds while we sleep. Um, now, if you're a Christian, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. But the devil would not cause Muslims to dream about Jesus. He just wouldn't do that. All right, that that doesn't make any sense. So these Muslims, think about it. They they don't have the Bible. They are steeped in their religion of Islam. Is it possible that God could use dreams and visions to get their attention? Yes, I think it is. I think it is. It is far more likely that God would do that for these people over doing it for people who have the written word of God. All right? And, and again, um, I, I again, I'm just saying it is possible. I'm just saying it's something that God might do. Something that he possibly would do. All right? Now, as we wrap up this talk, dreams and visions are truly a fascinating study, aren't they? It's just fascinating. I, I, as I've done this research, as I've studied this out, I'm, I'm fascinated by dreams and visions. It's important that we remember why God used dreams and visions in the Old Testament and New Testament. Look at their purpose. Look at who they were directed to. In summary, I would say that based on 1 Corinthians 13 verses 8 through 10, God does not, he does not use dreams and visions today for those who have the word of God. However, it's possible that God is using dreams and visions today for those who do not have the Bible, such as Muslims. I would also say that if you hear someone say, I have a prophecy from the Lord, don't believe them. Prophecies have ended. There are no more prophets today. Everything we need to know about the future is right there in the Bible. Hey, thank you so much for listening today. I sure hope you have enjoyed this episode. Now, remember, you can go back and you can listen to past episodes. We've got some great episodes uh, talking about hell, talking about the Christian left, talking about science and the Bible, all kinds of things. Go back, check out past episodes. Also, listen to the preaching podcast, my podcasts that are just sermons I've preached in the past. I know that's going to be great encouragement and a blessing to you. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, check out my website, paulrobinsonbooks.com. Hey, uh, guess what? I also just started a brand new newsletter. So go to the website, paulrobinsonbooks.com, and on the home page, 
just give me your email and click the join button and you can be on the um, you can be on my list for the newsletter and you'll want to join that because I'm gonna I'm gonna be uh, really it's bi-monthly so it's just every other week and it's gonna give you news upcoming news about articles and podcasts and especially my books also just some fun stuff in there about my personal life and things going on and and uh, hey, I've got, I've got some big news. I, I am planning on getting out several books this year. Not one or two, but several books this year. And so uh, stay tuned for that. I don't want to let the cat out of the bag yet, but stay tuned. I've got some news very soon. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Paul Robinson, and until next time, God bless you.